Hubba, Hubba, get on now. All right. Are we going? No, wait. To all praise. Hush. Hold, hold that. And for downright real people, I want you to listen. Be what you are and be the very best of what you are. Whatever your thing is, make your own self a star. When y'all see me riding around here with gold handles on each one of my doors, they have the nerve to say that motherfucker is pimping over. They call me a liar, a thief. Son of you even call me a freak. Then you say that motherfucker's done got on top. He must have done it by eating cock. But if all of that that was done behind closed doors was brought to light, there'd be a whole lot of cocksuckers and dicklickers and freakish motherfuckers sitting right out here tonight. So what if you got to take and what if you got to give as long as I live the life that I love because I love the life that I live but furthermore if you stir your finger round up in your own pot you would be too damn busy trying to find out what kind of dick that I've got. So I'm going to live for today because I'm not promised tomorrow. I want plenty of good loving and less pain and sorrow. So I'm going to keep on living and being wise. And I'm going to be the very best of what I am. And for those who don't like it, confidentially, I don't give a damn. Because I live the life that I love, and I love the life that I live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special show. Sometimes I have to dig for guests and then... This time, the diamond dropped on my lap when uh, Georgette uh-huh. friended me yesterday, and I just casually looked up and there, and within three minutes, my jaw was on the floor, and it still hasn't gotten up from there. <laughs> so everybody, welcome to the show, Georgette Dante. Hello, hello. Hubba hubba, boop boop. Yeah. You have pretty much lived the life of the of the old, of, well, old school Vegas, old school mob life, and old school Carney. Heck, you was born into the Carney. Yes, I was, honey. I was born in Raymond Brothers, but my mother married a Carmel man when I was about six years old. So I'm more of a carnival than I'm a, uh, I'm a circus. You know, a circus is different from the, uh, the carnival world. You know, the circus yeah. is trapeze and animals and 
the Carla people were were, were characters. <laughs> we're characters. Yeah. But I started performing at age three as a pretend midget. You know, with the makeup and the wash of the boobies and and uh, I worked as a pretend midget. And then when I was five years old, I was a midget stripper. You know, in the car, you get away with those things. Back in those days, you know, you're talking about old school. Trust me, I'm old school. I've been performing now 69 years since '83. I put up tour on Carmel rides, drove semi trucks. I worked hard my whole life. Worked 18 hours a day, drove 80,000 miles a year. What did you want to talk about? Yeah. You there? Well, just everything. Right. And I got a story myself. There was this one uh, carnival that used to come here every year, and they even had a stripper and all that. And one uh-huh. year, this guy came out and was complaining that the stripper only stripped down to her bikini. And then the guy, <laughs> the carny guy working there said, oh, I know you, sir. You come here every year. Is your wife here with you? The guy was like, uh, uh, uh. No, we can really cause a scene, because if you do want a refund, I'll go straight to your wife and give it to her. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, 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 thank you, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I know what you mean. But listen, honey, uh, my parents own girl shows. You know what girl shows? You're talking about a girl show. Yeah. Did you know this? My parents own girl shows. Uh, but I, like I said, I was starting performing at three as a midget. And by the time I was six years old, I grew my part. And then I was a wild girl from Africa. I used to bite chickens' heads off and jump up and down crazy. And, and uh, I worked as a, as a wild girl. From, she's a wild girl from Africa, crawling on her belly like a reptile. And those yeah. days, you only charged 10 cents because I'm going way back in those days. Because our, our, our geek, our geek, his name was Shadow. He was a wino. He would drink, and that's all he wanted to do is drink. But when he passed away, we had no time to fool around with because you got only got three months to make your money. So my dad pulled him in the back of the tent, out in the back in the woods, and then my mother took a gunny sack and cut holes in it and uh, put it on my head. And our, our beatnik, he knew about the wine bottles with the cork. We took it, burned it, and put black all over my body. So now I'm the wild girl from Africa. So And I wasn't about to bite those damn chicken's heads off because that's what he used to do. So I knew about the pickpocketing because I used to do that with a little girl growing up in Carmel. I was too small to reach a pocket. And so I knew about the razor blades from watching the carnies. Now, I'm not talking about all carnies. We're talking about certain, it's all kinds of people in the carnival world, like in any place. And I took a razor blade, cut the bottom of the pocket, and there come the wallet. Now I got the wallet. So now years later, now I'm the geek. So they want me to bite that chicken's head off. So I took the razor blade and cut its head and jumped up and down like crazy and threw a little temper tampers and threw the gut and guts and things at the screen. Had a screen that went around. A screen went around. So And when we had snakes, I didn't have to do all that. You know, my brother and I go out and catch snakes and that type of thing. And when we go back to the girl show now, years later, we got girl shows. And before we had a big review show, our show seated a thousand people. We had to put it up, tear it down, back down the highway, sometime one week, sometime one day, sometime ten days. And we had we had bands, comedians, singers, tap dancers, belly dancers, a variety of entertainment. And across the midway, there'd be a little hoochie, hoochie-coochie show. That's where they'd be popping pop ping balls out of the cootie, you know. Of course, they'd make more money than we did sometimes, just popping ping pong balls and be a little really risque. So when I was 12 years old, now I'm the stripper now because we had no girls. We had to do something. So I took eyebrow pencil and drawed hair on my cootie so I could do a complete strip. You know, back then, we're talking about the old school now because, you know, that's uh, the reason why I have no, no education because I, I worked 18 hours a day. I put up 
tore down caramel rides, and I drove semi-trucks. So my whole life is doing hard physical work. So now I'm a movie producer and director. That's what I'm preparing for in the movie business. I have a lot of old-school entertainers. Our stories need to be told. So anyways, my, my life, I love my caramel people more than anything. Uh, I work, work with bands. I promote boxing. I promote wrestling. And uh, I was involved with Andre the Giant for a long time, uh, Woody Pastrato. Excellent, like champ of the world. I promote his boxers because when he wants to no longer excite champ of the world, I promote mud wrestling, jello wrestling, pudding wrestling, oil wrestling, and a variety of entertainment. I mean, just uh, for, and then later I went pro boxing, promoting boxing and wrestling. So, what else you want to talk about old school? Tell me, tell me. Yeah. Well, you did you know Andre before he's really started getting bad? I knew him. Old and uh, older. I knew both when he was young and healthy. As the years went by, I dated Andre a little bit. Not not too not too much. It's not. No, I stopped dating in 1978. I don't date at all. You know, I'm 72 now and I look good. I look really good for my age. And I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. And I don't date because I'm preparing for that movie business, commercials, and recording studio. But Andre the Giant, I was very close close friends with Andre, so I know a lot about the. We put. Uh, we used to, I used to travel with him. He had oh, he had a great big, big old Cadillac. When he'd get in that damn Cadillac, the whole side, the whole car would go boop to the one side. Wherever side the Cadillac he was, if he was driving, he'd go boop to the other side. You know how big he is. He's big and he's <laughs> big, big, but a good man, yeah. a really, really good man. So I, I do like I love all kinds of people. I'm not crazy about some people. <laughs> I love people, but I just don't like a lot of them. You know, so uh, I'm very dedicated. You know, I, I, uh, like I said, I, no, perform, I travel. Is. I love people, but there's a few that I don't like. <laughs> oh, honey, that's the way it is. You know, I, I, I do. I love people. But they just piss me off. That's why I stopped dating in 1970. I do not need the psychological problems. I got a vibrator <laughs> named Humber. Me and Hummer, we do just fine. <laughs> I have no psychological problems. I don't give me no problems. But I've you know, always heard that uh, Andre never did date it because uh, of the whole stigma, people coming up to him. Yeah, they they always, whenever I was with Andre, they, different motels and all. Like I told you, I did date Andre. And uh, I did date, date Andre. And uh, he was very, very gentlemanlike. But when we be in different nightclubs and stuff, be, you know, between the, the bouts, uh, they would come up and they just want to fight with them, and it, it just, they mess with him really, really bad. They really did. <laughs> but you know how people? It's just a shame because they'd be going to get the hell beat them. They did, but they'd go do it anyway. They'd be drunk, all boxed out of their head, and I've heard go mess uh, with Andre. one story about these guys who were messing with Andre, and they uh-huh. ran out of the bar once they pissed him off, and he chased them to their car. And turn the car upside down with him in Ah, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I never like, understood like I, why I tell- they had to say, they're like, yeah, he's a tough guy. I don't want to mess with him. And then uh, they I know, end but, up yeah, getting their ass handed to him. Well, you know, people get all drunk or boxed up by the head, all doped up or something like that. They just feel like they're double cool. Yeah. <laughs> Like me, I know I'm cool. I'm so cool. I pee ice cubes. <laughs> That's how cool I am. <laughs> and you work about, did you for talk a Tennessee legend, well, down south a legend, one of the few independent filmmakers in Tennessee who's, I'm amazed they haven't done a Ron Ormon documentary. I mean, it's a weird story. He started out making uh, the 
hoochie-coochie films, and then once he made his money in that, he went and strictly made religious films. Well, you know, you have to go, the, the, you have to change, like I change, like I said, I started as a geek, as a midget, and as a stripper, and, and, and then now, now I used, I, I'm saying a little bit more about me, a little bit more, but see, Ron Orman, you have to change with the times, you got to go with them, and plus you get bored doing the same door or anything. Like I said, I'll tell you before we start this interview, that my mother worked with uh, was uh, Lash LaRue before I was born. The Lash LaRue, the famous whip artist. And he did producer and directed all his movies as well. And then he did my movie, which originally was called The Exotic Ones. They changed the name to Monster and the Stripper. I was a star in the movie. Of course, you know, Sleepy Little Beef, the country western star. Uh, he, him, and my, him and myself was both the star of the show. Oh, I could tell you some stories when we make the movie. I was about 18, 19 years old. We did it in Nashville. You knew that, didn't you? Yeah. We did the movie in Nashville, the Boston at the Tropical Studios. Is the Tropical Studios still there? No. Tropical Studios? Okay, well, we'll talk way back. But anyway, when I was traveling with the movies, you know, we did the drive-in movie theaters. And uh, my mother, I took my mother with me. She wasn't in the movie, but when I was in uh, Elko, Nevada, Ron Orman, Called me and he said, "Watch me if I go on a tour with the movie and sign autographs, you know, to promote the uh, movie Monster the Stripper." Of course, at first it was going to be called the Exotic Ones. So I was signing autographs in the, at the drive-in theaters. You know, we come up on top of the uh, sound booth, you know, top of the uh, with candy where you sell candy and popcorn and everything on top of the buildings. Yeah, and I had my mother. My mother's got real big boobies. She got big boobies, long black hair. It's just like me back in the days. Uh, of course, you know. I don't have the big boobies, but my mom did, though. That's beside the point. I was always used to pr- 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 protecting my mother because she was very uh, flirtatious. And while I'm up on top of the sound, on top of the uh, candy thing, up at the top with all the other entertainers, you know, actors in the movies, and uh, we're up there, and uh, Ron's up there with me and his wife, June, and Tim Orman, his son. You know, uh, my mother's down below and had all kinds of people around. Well, someone reached out and grabbed my mother. Well, I saw it. I had a great big cape on. I dove off the top of this, off the candy can, up into the ground, backhanded the guy. I looked up at Ron Orman. His hands, both hands went in his face like, oh, no. You know, you know, we try to promote the movie. I'm out here beating the hell out of a customer. But, you know, he, he, the guy messed with my mama. You know, hey, I, don't give me no SH or be no IT. And my brother says PBs and MF. Paybacks that motherfucker. So, yeah. you know, that's what I was you know, also, you know, I used really to really clarify this story. Let's talk a little bit about one of the things that you did. She was a strong woman. There's pictures if you look up her name online of her standing there with fully grown men on her back, and it's like if I had my little tiny doxy mouth on my back and I was doing a push up. Who's it you're talking about? You talking about me or somebody else? Yeah, you. Oh, you, yeah, honey. I enjoyed my fire show. See, the pickpocketing is you for real. The strength, I got the, the acrobatics I got from Ringling by the Circus. And the uh, the, the strength I got was putting up, turn on carnival rides and driving semi-trucks. That's how I got so strong as I did. So I put it in my show. So during my show, I pick up two men, one on each shoulder, and twirl them around. And I did fire tassels on my boobies and also my booty, my, on my butt. But I, I, I stopped taking my clothes off when I was 19. 
but I do have a novelty act. I'm in burlesque, but I'm not a uh, exotic dancer. I'm a novelty act. So my strength came from picking two men up on each shoulder, twirl them around. And the carnival, we had girl shows, you know, the traveling nightclub. We did 18, 20, and 30 shows a day. So my whole life is, I, to this day, I still work 14, 16 hours a day. Because I also have a costume shop here in Vegas. I'm also working on as well. And like I said, oh, by the way, while we're talking, I need a major financial backing to start the movie company. So anybody out there wants to be involved in movies, commercials, and recording studio, the first movie I'm going to do is going to be about gay people. Gay people. It's going to be called Body and Mind. Because, you know, a lot of times people are born with a man's, uh, a man's body, but their brain is a, woman's, is a woman's mind or vice versa. You know, so I wanted to show them respect because all my movies I'll be doing, it'd be like documentaries, but it'd be a better understanding about, you know, because some, like I said, some people born with a body, don't, some people born with two arms, no arms, the bodies get mixed up, it don't match your brain and vice versa with the woman as well. Another movie I'll be doing would be about uh, uh, views and battered women. I'm going to take, have a bunch of strong, healthy women, catch these guys, drag them under Las Vegas, I'm going to have a place under Las Vegas, this part of the movie. And uh, beat the hell out of these guys. Show them how it is to be treated bad like they do the women. And some women are so hateful and mean, they encourage these guys to beat the hell out of them too. So I understand it goes both ways as well. And mm-hmm. the other movie about be about burlesque entertainers. I have a lot of old school entertainers I've known for 40, 50, 60 years. My mother is a legend of burlesque as well. I'm also a legend of burlesque. And my mother is a legend is, is burlesque, like I said, but she was born and reading by the circus. She's an acrobatic. She's a showgirl. Uh, all my, I'm a sixth generation of show people on my mother's side, fifth on my father's side, and fifth on my stepfather's side of show people. Have you ever heard of Emil uh, uh, Perry? He went across the North Pole with a dog sled. Emil yeah. Perry, the first one. Went, well, my two people went across the North Pole. My great-great-grandfather is Jacques Suzanne. He and Emil Perry was good friends. My great-great-grandfather was, was a trainer for wolves and huskies for Warner Brothers. And they were the first ones who went across the North Pole. Amo Perry beat my grandfather by three days. It took him three years to go across the North Pole and back. And my great-great-grandfather owned a motion picture camp in Lake Placid, New York. And my uncle, Uncle Leonard, did stunt work for John Wayne movies for many, many years. And I'm going to tell you a nice little story. One time they didn't need my uncle for a movie, and John Wayne was such a good man, he had my uncle sit there and just light his cigarette. He had the studio pay him $500 a day to sit there and just light his cigarettes up to make sure he got some money in his pocket. And my Uncle Leonard was teaching me how to do stunt work. <laughs> he told me about 98 metal plates in his body. Well, that was it for me. I didn't want to learn no, stunt, no more stunt work for me. But you also, you know, I wrestle alligators. Did you know this? Did you know this? Yeah. You did a lot of yeah, I used to wrestle alligators, and also was one buried underground in Cushado, Louisiana, when I was about 17, 18 years old, in my van for one week with 102 rattlesnakes. I worked with them about two two months before I actually, I went out and caught these darn rattlesnakes too as well. You know, met my brother, and my brother had nothing to do with catching these damn snakes, but he would, because I, I had meat hanging around my boots, boots, cowboy boots, and with rope, and I'd get down the pit. Wherever, wherever, you know, down where these rattlesnakes would be to out and catch these suckers. And uh, they'd bite. What they do, I'd reach down, I'd tear their little heads, you know, twist them off. And my brother had a gunny sack, throw them in the gunny sack, shake it, pull it down. And it, 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 a little bit by a little bit, we wound up with the 102 rattlesnakes. 
and I had a lot of marijuana. They were happy. <laughs> I was happy. They didn't know why they were happy, but I was happy they were happy. Trust me, I swear to God. But anyway, they buried me <laughs> in the underground, and we got rained out for a week. For one whole week, uh, so they had a scope that went down where people could walk around and look down. Only in the car where people got to see it. It was a damn shame, but at least I did it. At least I know it. And same thing with, with the, uh, and I also did it in Odessa, Texas, where I wrestled a, a big alligator. And when I caught him as well, and had a bunch of professional boxers, I'll go out and help you catch his alligators. Yeah. But we got up there in a boat in Louisiana. At the time I lost one of the alligators, it was too small. Turned them loose. Last one, the damn alligator was so damn big, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was bigger than the damn boat. Well, these professional boxers, that was it. They dove in the water. They didn't realize that it should be, they were trying to get the hell out, get away, because I was pulling this damn alligator up in the boat. So anyway, that's it for them. They're, they're gone. No more. So anyway, uh, little by little bit, I'm going to get this movie business going because it's got so many stories going to be told, especially not just about my life, other people. My old school entertainers, our stories need to be told. Ask me another question. I'm ready. And to clarify my story, she wrestled alligators and did all that. So you can uh-huh. guess that poor guy that she backhanded. It was like a two-hit fight, wasn't it? It was just back. He's over it. Honey, I yeah, told you. Yeah, that's I mean, when a two-hit fight. You hit him, he hit the dirt. That's it. Over with. Honey, I've put so many people through the years in the hospital. It's unbelievable. You know, in the carnival, you have got time to fool around. In the carnival, the cir- well, more than the carnival, they're not so much circus because you're a little bit more of a prima donna type world. The circus people, I mean, they're good people, don't get me wrong. But the carnival, you got a bunch of drunks and characters come out there, and the, the carnage. Uh, we get blamed. We get blamed, the carnival people. We get a bad reputation, too, because we pick up these people when we go down the highway from town to town. We hire people to, to go to work at the carnival. Well, they're, they're dope heads, they're drunks, they're hiding from the police, They got, but we need help. We need help, and not, they don't take no baths. You know, that's always the way to get cleaned up. You go, first of all, there's no running water. Back in the days, you had to carry your water, buckets and buckets and buckets of water, back and forth. Our girl shows 110 foot long, and we'd throw water and wash the thing down. Because it was going on the highway, and we got muddy, dirty. I mean, we would carry water forever and ever and ever, because the, and we could find little creeks and jump in the creeks and, and get cleaned up the best way you can. Well, these roughies, we call them grease monkeys, well, they didn't care. They all greasy and dirty. They just get drunk every time. And we get blamed because they're not even our people. They're, they're, they're maybe a town 30 miles away or 30, 60 miles or 110 miles away. Just they're people just hiding out in the carnival world just just go have fun with the cardians. So we get a bad reputation a lot of times. You know, of course, I used to siphon gas when, they, when we had to. You got three to four months to make your money in the carnival world. Three to four months. That's it. You know, that's the end of the year. Summer, winter time. If you don't make your mind come summer through the summer, you I stuck out the winter time, and we had to make a bite. So, will we break down or or, or we're getting rained out for two, three days, four days, or a week over there? Well, my brother had to go out and siphon gas, and I'm over and over. Well, semi trucks are big. A lot of gas you have to siphon. So yes, I have done a lot of bad things in my life. I totally get it. At the same time, we didn't look to do it. But a lot of these other characters, they go out of the way. They're just lazy. Well. My daddy, he was a habitual gambler. He'd gamble all the money away, all the time. You know how much how much money we made in the girls' show? We made three to five thousand a day sometimes in the girls' show. You know, eighteen twenty hours a day, eighteen twenty thirty shows a day from nine o'clock in the morning to three four five o'clock in the morning on weekends. 
So you're not you're working on, and sometimes on two, three people in a show. You know, it, it looks like it counts unless you're working on a state fair. So anyway, with the life, you just keep on moving, keep uh, motivated. So, I do. What else you want to talk to me about? Ask me something else. Yeah, I mean, we had a fair like at Tennessee Valley Fair when I was like eight or nine before I was a teen. Right was when they got rid of all the stuff like the giant rat, the geek, uh, the uh-huh, strip yeah. show. And there was this one guy uh-huh. I was talking to. He was a nice guy. He ran a ride. But it was uh, it was a Friday night, and this guy's girl kept flirting with him. Uh-huh. So this guy got, like, a hair up his ass, and he just decided to took a swing at him. And just end up getting his ass handed to him. Well, yeah, because these guys are strong. And you put up here nice pig iron in the corner of those rides. Right? That's how I got so strong working. Yeah, you, you, Trust me, you shouldn't mess with a carnival man who's been out there working, even though because uh, they've got no patience. They, you know, they're tired. They've been three, four days. And it's like me. I go three, four days and no sleep in the carnival world. And you drive. And, and oh, in the wintertime, well, we didn't, oh, like I said, my dad would give him all the money away. He gave him all the money. We had what you call a detub. A detub, that's where only the carnival people would be at. You know, at the end of the night, the carnival was closed. We had a detub. And all the carnies, is the men. No women's allowed. No kids. It was just for the men. And there, my daddy had flat drawers, alibis, hanky pants. The flat drawers are heavy-duty gambling. You know, you gamble with the people. And I'm not going to tell you about no giving skibbics or anything, how it's been done. Mostly, in the flat store, it's strictly a con job. You know, they know how to talk to the people. They con them out of the money. You know, con them out of it. And I'll tell you what, what I used to do, uh, when I'm around the Midway, running for coffee and Coke, delivering coffee for the carnival people, and the carnival people, uh, because they couldn't get out of the joint, they had to keep working. And uh, I also was a bootlegger. Bootlegger. You know, with booze. I'm six, seven years old. And I'm working with a guy by the name of Daddy, Danny, and Danny had little medicine bottles full of booze. Well, I'd be so damn cold sometime in wintertime, I'd be barefooted with the little medicine bottles in my back pocket full of booze. I don't drink to this day. But I'm talking about in the days, I'd be so darn cold, I'd drink this alcohol, keep working. But I'd deliver these little sandwich. And I'd deliver it to the carnival men and the joints, the sessions. You know, they, they'd be keep working, keep gambling with the customers. And it's funny, one time I was standing by a police officer, a chief of police there. I'm about six, seven years old. I, I, I'm standing close to the Midwest full of people. And I could overhear the policeman say, I've been a policeman for 35 years. I always catch my man. Ha, ha. I'm the ones doing it. I'm the ones bootlegging. And, and bootlegging, you know, delivering the booze. And at the end of the, end of the night, when the car would close, I was a hard worker, always been a hard worker. I'd go out and pick up these medicine bottles. And bring it back to the man. I got a quarter. Of I got fifty percent. Got a five dollars for each bottle of liquor. A little medicine bottle. Sell them, and I got two fifty. And then I got twenty five cents for each bottle I brought back. And I go out in the carnival rides and pick up money, change, and things would be falling out of people's pockets. And riding the carnival rides in that type of situation. So I've always been hard. See, all my people, all my carnival people, all work. That's how I'm a hard worker to this day, because everybody around me worked hard. And you weren't allowed to wear shorts on the midway. The women, uh, because it, it, it gave them problems with the town people. I'm talking when the car was open, the girls shut. That's one story. But, you know, when it was putting the carnival up, and the women the, the women worked the carnival. You could not wear shorts because you've got to keep people steady on what they're doing, working. And the town people come messing with the girl, 
well, you're looking for trouble. That means a car woman has to jump out of the concession, the joint, and protect the girl, and then leaving the money behind, leaving the teddy bears and all that. And be, just, we're talking about several hundred people. So nobody caused no one extra problems. A, do you did not go from one, a woman was dating a guy, particular car man, you didn't jump from one man to another. It's taboo. Taboo. You better leave that carnival. Yeah. They did nothing to cause problems with running the carnival. It's strictly mine, strictly, strictly business. And every you didn't sit down either. And the carnival games, there might be nobody on the midway. You didn't, everybody stood up in the carnival games. You just stood up and always on guard. Because if a town person walked along, you're not allowed to call one carnival. If a town person walking from a joint concession, you know, carnival game, and, and passing by to another carnival game, you're not allowed to call that man or that woman or, or whoever it may be. You had to wait, grab him while he's there, and go to the, so you better be on guard. Because that guy might walk on by to the next carnival game, and that man calls him, and he might get three, four, five hundred dollars $500 the guy. So you, you had to be on guard at all times. And that's my yeah. whole life that everybody totally dedicated, honey, totally dedicated. And like I said, my daddy would gamble every goddamn nickel away. The, the, he had those flat stores where he's making all kinds of money, making money uh, with with the town people. And the end of the night, he'd go to the little G-tops amongst the carnival people. He'd gamble every goddamn nickel away, every damn. And the end of the year, all the thousand dollars, he'd be gone because he'd gamble all the money away. It didn't matter how much my mother showed her cootie. I showed my cootie. And we even had before, when we had tornadoes and storms, we'd lose every damn thing. There'd be a piece of plywood on the ground with a tent. And it was a rope go around. And I'm six, seven, eight years old, hiding behind a canopy while my mother was a red light, doing a strip with the customers with their hands ha- hanging over a rope, looking down, watching my mother perform. And I would have a hammer or a two by four. And, and if someone it was sick, they'd go out and reach, reach out, burn my mother, burn costumes. they reach over. And whenever I see someone touch my mother, I'd go out in this canopy and whack him in the damn foot. <laughs> or rocking the leg. And this poor guy, whoever it may be, would turn and want to beat the hell up the guy next to him. Because he didn't know how the hell his leg got hit or his foot got whacked. You know, it's me sneaking back under the damn canopy to get away. So, anyway, so my whole life, and all, my brother and I were pickpocketing, boosting, bootlegging. And also, it was one of the best thieves that I used to be. I stopped stealing, stopped doing bad things when I was 19 years old. 19 years old. I stopped all that because I left home at 16. You know, when I left home, but it kept going back every year. And I just wound up with brand new car every year. My costume cost me thousand twelve hundred dollars a costume. Later, I got away from the carnival, got away from the circus, got away from that world. But I go back here every summer, summer, because we help my mom and dad. And I'd, I'd be working in that closet making thousand twelve, fifteen, thirty five hundred dollars a week as a novelty act, acrobatics, fire beating, pickpocketing, strong one, bull whip artist. And and I put up one of the best shows in the business in the business. In the business, in the nightclub world. And I didn't have to take my clothes off. I stopped taking my mm. clothes off when I was 19. You didn't have to because I had a show. So I'd be working in nightclub at the time, and somebody, I'd had so many times customers look at me. I've seen your show four or five times. I just realized now you don't take your clothes off. I, well, because I have talent. I'm not being disrespectful with the girls. I didn't feel like a, a, a sexy girl. I started off that way. But I changed my life, changed my ways. Mm. Which is, I've been there, I've done that. Yeah. And the, most of them's gone nowadays down here. But God, it I would hate to see how much to think how much money you made on the dry county. Oh, honey, I, honey, major, major money, major, major. 
But it was too easy back in the days. That was the whole thing. It's my daddy just just didn't care. That's why my mother and I worked nightclubs in the winter time. We had to work nightclubs to keep going because and come summertime, you had to be wherever. My dad would never take the tent. At the end of the year, Carl was done. Now my mother's working at nightclubs. And he would never pull the big tent out and open it up so it dry, you know, and put uh, something on it to keep it from dry rotting. It'd be all wet. You roll it up, and it'd be all rotted. When it's come summer, we'd pull the tent out, it'd be all rotted. And those tents cost three to 5000 a piece back in those days. So you don't tell what it costs nowadays. So, you know, it's a shame. Uh, then my, my mother was, had a uh, – my mother – my mom and dad did not get along very well because you're tired. You're working three, four days and no sleep. You know, you're driving 80, 100. Well, in the car was not so much, but between the nightclubs and, and the carnival world, we worked 18 hours a day. It drove 80, 100,000 miles a year. And my mother would take it. My dad my dad would take my brother, hold his wrist up, beat him with a uh, two-by-four or a metal wood file until he break him. Uh, the beaties uh, take my clothes off. I still got belt buckle scars on me to this day with a wet belt. I mean, horrible, horrible, sick beatings. Uh, my mother one time, and he'd tell us to do one thing. My mother tells us to do something else in the carnival. And we'd go pick the papers up, a go guide the ropes out in the carnival. And my dad would uh, tell us to do what. Either way, we was in trouble. My mother beat us or he beat us. As you know, my brother saved our thing. And one time, he uh, went up to guide the ropes out, you know, pulling the ropes, making tight, you know, because they'd get loose there. during the day. You had to check your guy rope, your ropes on the tent. And my mother took, shaved my head ball. It's just stupid goddamn things. And she spit in my face a lot, choked me. Just the beat it was unbelievable. So I'm gonna tell you a little quick story. I like telling the story too. She uh one time because she she was so horrible. So we hit same thing, both of them was. They took it on one of took it on us, my brother and me. One time my brother she tried to apologize, didn't know how to do it. He said, Mother, if you knew better, would you done different? Well that's the point. When I start getting them to do this movie about uh Abusing by the women, the men, the way they're raised, or the women, the way they're raised, they just don't know no better. That's when I finally did this movie where we take the guys under the under the Las Vegas underground and give them good spanking and show them, treat them the way they what do they do to the women to show them the direction because people just don't know any better. If they knew better, they wouldn't be doing the dark things they do. And say to my mom and dad, I'm not mad at either one of the way they treat us because they're tired, they're worn out. Uh, we, we was a whipping post, like back in the kings and queens days. You know, they had little whipping boys, or they had animals that kicked on. You know, they just they release. It doesn't make it right, but just the way it is. Oh, you're talking about you stop doing the girl shows and the freak shows and everything? I don't like it in a lot of ways because I stopped having the two-headed ladies and the 500-pound people and, you know, and the geeks because people just form and just uh, all screwed up. Uh, the bodies are not quite right. At least I got a job. In a carnival, they had a job. And these Christians, and I love people, Christians, they, they care about what they're doing. But these Christians, they, they're not they sitting at home and, and relying on, uh, on someone paying the bills, you know, uh, food stamps and all that type of situation. They're not able to get a job. they got no arms. Or they got two arms. Because back in those days, they didn't have, like they have nowadays. They could teach you how to, to, to get by with no arms. Like me, I went to school two days of my whole life. I've had no education. Back in the days, you did have schools. But back to the reason I'm talking about taking the, taking the uh, deformed, disabled people out of the, out of the nightclub, out of the, excuse me, uh, the carnival world, oh, we can't have that no more. Well, they had a job. They could pay their own damn bills, and they're entertainers. They're show people. They, they get to put a nice wardrobe on, 
They may be five, six hundred pounds. They may have no arms. Uh, they may have a, my God, a Johnny the Frog Man, you know, cutting things yeah. with the little feet, the fun. Anyway, so people think they know better sometimes, and sometimes you know it's good. It's good and bad. I'm gonna tell you, you know what mixed emotion is. Mixed emotion is when you watch your mother-in-law drive off of a cliff with your brand new Cadillac, knowing it's got no insurance. You got that? That's mixed emotion. Watch your mother all so drive over the cliff with your brand new Cadillac. No, you got no insurance. That's mixed emotion. My cousin so. married this guy whose uh-huh. uncle, who his uncles were uh, conjoined tr- twins who's back together. And uh. no, 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 they made enough money working the car. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I know, I got you. care of the entire family, and they went, and they was well. They were well off once they retired. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about. We say, oh, this is a good thing. See, they're able to take care of themselves. But when these Christian people, and I mean, I love them for being who, what they think is right. See, Christian people, uh, you know, I'm not very religious, but see, they know the Bible. I know life. And, and if you let you know, even so, I don't think anybody should date to uh, not date. They shouldn't get married to the uh, twenty five, thirty years old, uh, older. Because yeah. unless you've been through everything and done everything in life, you had all got all that out of your system, and you know all about sex, you know all about all the good things you've done. Okay, when you get married, all of a sudden now you go in a different, different direction in life. You haven't found yourself. So why are you getting married, and popping these babies out? The babies are going to suffer for it. Yeah, they suffer for it because. You haven't found yourself, and you don't know how to take care of yourself. How in the heck are you going to take care of uh, a child? You know, and, uh, that's the reason I, I don't have no children. For me, that's a, a good disabled thing. child. Oh, God, that's horrible. That's horrible. You know, I, I, I don't mean disrespectful, but I'm going to tell you something. I really believe in my – I do believe in reincarnation. And the reason why I believe in reincarnation is because God, he's not mean. He's not hateful. He don't have a mean streak. So when people when people are born sometimes they got two arms and no arm I mean, excuse me, three arms and no arms. I'm not saying all the time, sometimes your chemistry, your body's not right. So that's why a child sometimes gets born unusually. Unusual. I feel that we come back disabled somehow it's because you did really bad your last life. You did bad, so you got an ass kicking coming. Simple as that. And the woman yeah. on the man has just stuck with this baby all messed up, it's because they did bad in the last life. It's God's way of showing you. You messed up now. Uh, this is all way I got to make you pay attention and do better the next time you get reborn. It does not mean that I'm right, but that's my way of believing. Because, you know, what other reason why? Now, a lot of times, like I said, your chemistry is not right and the child gets mixed up. I mean, it's, way, it's a shame, but this life is, well, uh, life me, is so strange out there. My dad was over in Vietnam, and they sprayed uh-huh. over there with Agent Orange and. Oops, oh, they didn't no. tell the boy about the special side effects that would happen on their children. Oh, man, see? See? The people got no respect. That old school, that old school, that old school, like you're talking about, I love the old school. There's no morals. There's no respect. The children are being health hateful. And it's not the moms and dad, they don't know any better because as years go by, they're not being shown the direction how to be a better person, not being better. So the world's getting so screwed up. Everything is mumbo-jumbo anymore. I swear to God, it's strange out there. Uh, thank God I'm a loner. I don't need nobody in my life. I don't yeah. need – I love people. Like I said, I love them. I just don't like them. I don't need uh, – I, yeah. I, I don't give me no trouble. I don't give me no trouble at all. 
My mother's generation where well last one where we had to get our own switch. And sometimes walking back to the house with your own switch. Worse than ass whipping. Yeah, you 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 uh, yeah you mentally oh god oh god I here it comes I fix and get it I fix and get it the psychological yeah. thing could really mess you <laughs> pretty bad. Just hear that, like Richard Pryor said, you just hear that switch whipping in the wind. You're walking back that. <laughs> <laughs> there you and go. You just already you remember, you remember yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do believe, uh, I mean, doesn't mean I'm right again. Uh, the children should get a good little whip, whipping sometime, but not stupidly, not like my mom and dad with the, you know, the two-by-fours and, and the belt buckles. and the, 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 I, Like I said, I got belt buckles, scars, and all that. But still, it's the same old thing again. If people knew better, they wouldn't do that kind of thing, but they just don't yeah. know no better, period. Yeah, but lot, I can see but why Andre likes you now because you probably treat him like, you ain't special, you ain't shit. Oh, bad! Isn't that terrible? Yeah, well, they, they wouldn't no, be doing that if they knew better. That's probably what it's he sick. was looking for, and just an inhuman, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, just oh, they don't see me as under the giant. They just see me as another guy drinking a beer at a bar. Well, they they just see a big gorilla up there, and uh, they just uh, uh, they just want to have fun. And they try to show off to his buddy. point at him and go, look, 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 you know. Uh-huh. Remember, he had, what? during his last years, he had that uh, ranch of his outside of uh, Nashville. Well, it's been more than last year. It's been about like three, four years ago, I believe. He's been gone about three, four years or better. Under, yeah, he was gone the for giant, a long right? time, but he had, the, he had a, a ranch out in Nashville where it was just built for him, and he would just go there to get away from everybody. Oh, do you blame him? Do you blame him? No. Day, you know. Again, see people again. Anything different? Anything different? They just uh, they don't get it. That's why you need to get out and see the world and do more things so you have a better understanding. You just playing your brain's not developed enough to have a better knowledge on what's going on in life. You know, people are too busy pointing fingers. You know, pointing fingers at people and putting people down. Get your nose out of people's booty. Get your nose out of the booty. Take care of yourself. You know, my way, I before I go to bed every night, I make sure that the dishes are clean, the, the my, my house is clean, my net, my body's clean, and I got two, re- two or three changes of clothes all set up, ready to go. So I wake up, I wake up feeling good. You know, because my clothes are ready, everything's organized. If you're not organized, you can be a real goofy person because you're, you're totally, you're in la-la land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why... 69 years is day three. I performing and travel 800,000 miles. I've already been in Vegas since 2010. 2010. Never in my life have I missed a job. So God's true. I swear to God, never missed a job in my life. And I'm talking about driving days of no sleep, cars breaking down, hitchhiking, doing everything I can to get to the job. Always met my. I'm talking about nightclubs. Nightclubs. Yeah. You know, we make a thousand, twelve hundred dollars taking buses. What do we got to do? I always got. Never been fired. My word is my bond. I just I got, I got no patience for lazy people, and the reason why they get uh, make mistakes and not on time because they're not organized. The people are organized, they don't. You, why the hell you're not gonna be late? Because your clothes are already. And if something came up different that day, you had two, three changes of clothes, ready to change clothes. You're ready to do a different different direction of life, and, and leave stupid people alone. 
Now, you know, I dated Bob Hope all for many years. You know, you know Bob Hope. I dated him all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He told me, he said, Georgette, you're going to find it's a very lonely world out there. I just, I'm looking at him like he's silly because I get along with everybody. You know? He said, the more wiser, the more smarter you get, you're going to find it's a very lonely world, world out there. You can find yourself talking at people and not with them. So that's what happens. You're more wiser and more smarter in life. Uh, it's hard to have to nobody to communicate with. It's hard to communicate with people because they're in a different way. They, I, I try to tell people the carnival, the circus, or the burlesque, or, or just uh, the gangster world. Back in my, they look at you la la land. They have no idea. They don't comprehend. They like hearing your stories, but they're not comprehending. You know, back in my days when I worked in nightclubs, they were owned by gangsters. That's back in the days. I mean, gangsters. Uh, that's the reason why I didn't have to take my clothes up by the time I was 19 because I had a show. And there'd be all kinds of crazy things going on in the nightclubs. We're talking about some pretty rough things, be drinking and drinking. And, uh, I'm not going to go into details, but I mean, rough, rough. Uh, matter of fact, during yeah. my show, well, when I was you worked for the gangsters, too, as uh, yeah. muscle. That shows you got respect from them. And uh, plus, yeah, those uh, are not the kind of people you can screw up on timing, not the job. It's like if you say you're going to collect with somebody at 3 o'clock and have the money to them by 3.25, you better damn sure. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, well, because my show was so good, I, I didn't never be drink. I didn't have to sit with the customers and drink because I wouldn't anyway. You know, the, the booking agent, like my agent, Chet Stamps, uh, out of Kansas City, he used to book Tommy Dorsey and Eddie Shaw, Glenn Miller, back in the days. And then he, then he switched off to Burlesque. So when I left home at 16, I wound up in Kansas City. And my mother performed for him when I was a little girl. So I knew Chet Stamps. And uh, same thing. Uh, he worked in nightclubs, and he told the club owners uh, she don't take her clothes off and she don't sit with the customers. She, she does, I do it. I keep my clothes up, but not that much, like a circus. And the bra. Fire tosses on the bazaar, full pair of pants with the fire tosses on my booties, and the acrobatics and fire beaving, the pickpockets, the straw wind, the bullwhip artist, you know, and the pickpockets was, like I said, one time was for real, but I put it in my show. And when I hit the clubs, of course, they'd try to get away with it, and they'd say, so I hit the club, they wanted to go sit with the customer, I hadn't barely got to the club, I look at them, are you fucking, excuse my language, you crazy? I tell you what, I'm going to do one show, if you're not happy, I'm out of here. Well, after do one show, they're kissing butt like you wouldn't believe. They just, yeah. but they love me because I didn't make a whole lot of money for club owners because I, I'm not a raunchy dancer. I don't have a, a legitimate type show, but the club owners enjoyed having something special, you know. Because a lot of the girls, I'm not talking about yeah. back in my days though, burlesque entertainers. They were tap dancers and belly dancers. And they did cowboy numbers. They did. Uh, 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 Indian type show. They did a variety of entertainment. In the, the wardrobe, oh my God, I spent a thousand yeah. twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a costume, body, and the days went by through Tony Midnight from Chicago. Well, and yeah, and I you might about, know who but she I, is. Then the, uh, the one girl who uh, they made an entire movie about, and her whole gimmick was that she was the first snake dancer. A what? Snake dancer. She danced with a boa constrictor. Oh. Well, which one do you remember? No, I just remember she was the first one in her entire gimmick. She didn't strip. She didn't get naked. But she danced uh-huh. with a boa constrictor. And that was just so unique that. Well, 
I, I worked at both the circuit and pythons and I worked in the, in the nightclubs. I did. I still to this day do belly dancing. When they book me here in Las Vegas, I do yeah. my magic show. I do belly dancing, and I, and I also do face painting for the kids. For the kids, I get to meet the new generation, yeah. so I could uh, give business cards and get them prepared for the movie business when I get it going too. Uh, but I worked with the snakes as I did the belly dancing. I'd be huge, huge snakes uh, as well. So I, I was not also. And back in the Carlo days, again, we'd go out. My father was sent off a, a five thousand Vulcan circus and spent a lot of money for the for, before we had the geek show, and in the pit which I performed, I worked in the pit with the snakes playing with the snakes. When they finally yeah. would die off because it'd be so hot, like up in the semi truck, yeah. in the semi truck, uh, my brother and I go out and catch snakes. You go to little, little hick towns, little hick towns, different how you do it, maybe from uh, maybe Alabama. Now you're up in uh, Wisconsin someplace or up around Chicago. The snakes yeah. are different, so we catch these different snakes. We go to different parts of the country. People thought they were from other countries. They were just different parts of the world, but not necessarily in different countries. So yeah. my brother and I kill and catch these darn snakes, and I'd go out and also catch uh, little ground squirrels and rabbits and things to feed the darn snakes as well. You know, just, keep, just because yeah. uh, it, they had to be fed. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. always the thing. It's uh, what can you do that the other person can't. Well, you can't if you have it in your mind and you just go off your butt and go for it. See, nowadays you got all this computer stuff. There's no reason why people can't do a lot more than they do because you want to be a, become a, a guitar player or a or tap dancer or you want to learn magic. Uh, just research it. Just research it. All, back in the days, you had to learn from one another and that's the only way you can do it. Or if you haven't seen somebody, you try to learn that direction. But there's so many, too many ways now in computer, too many darn ways. There's no excuse for it at all, you know, and at you all, all to, to and be able you, to do it. Uh, said earlier about how you didn't have an education. None. Two days, uh, that was it. You, you, you can Two pick days. up on, for what you told me, you pick up on something quick. I, I do, but trouble is, See, what well, my biggest worry now, when I do the Facebook, when I put stuff on Facebook, and now I finally, yeah. learn, finally learn how to do YouTube, finally, goddamn, I try, fight, beg people to try to show me, you know, share. I go live here all the time. My fact is, yeah. I did a TV show about three, four days ago, and uh, yeah. they want me to have my own TV show, but they want me want me to pay for the darn thing. Well, I got too much talent, too much uh, going for me to be paying for a little darn TV show. The first place, I go live a lot. But I wanted to, the reason I wanted to do the TV show not be paying for the damn thing for me with my knowledge and my I got magicians, comedians and singers, people from Las Vegas and a lot of them are not working right now. My God, we would have had a fabulous show. But my friend Leslie has a friend that has a uh, established T V show. So I think we're gonna be yeah. getting going on that particular T V show as well. But uh anyway, I go live a lot. So so I'm, I'm showing things constantly on YouTube. So I'm constantly keeping looking keep myself looking good. I, I drink a gallon of water a day. I go for a walk every day. I use a blender, and I'm 72, and I, I still work for it. I make wardrobe for people, so I make that little extra money. But education again, back to the education. Back in my days, when we did try to go to school, like in the winter time, goddamn, goddamn, uh, uh, you couldn't get to school because they didn't. Oh, you dirty, horrible people! You, you, you show people. I couldn't put me in school when they didn't want it to. Nowadays, you have to. They have ways. But back in the days, they didn't have a better brain. Way of thinking yeah. that you understand. Well, the uh, they, they judge you wrong. Yeah. Problems you probably the math classes would be useless because you probably knew more math 
the natives well, are trying yeah, to teach, like, they're trying to teach you fifth grade math, and you're like, I just spent the whole summer just making sure that we got the right amount of money and the right amount of change and all that. So why the hell do I need this? <laughs> well, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a quick story. Now, when I was in Houston, Texas, now in Houston, my mother decided to put me at a school there, and it was we winter. We winter in Houston. And I'd be working in nightclubs. I was 12 years old. 12. I was 12, 13 years old. And we still, my mother, I'd still be stripping, but my mother put me in a school. And they put me in kindergarten. I'm sitting, I'm 14, 15 years old, 13 years old, whatever I was, somewhere in that general area, in a little bitty, bitty goddamn desk, little bitty chair. <laughs> you know, I'm looking around with kids, little baby kids, and I'm real big. And so it was a Catholic school, for, for you know, religious Catholic school. Well, sister, his sister Catherine come to the trailer park where it was at because I didn't show up for three, four days. She come there, you know, I didn't been there one day. So she come there and talk to my mother. Well, my mother and I had went out to doing a stag show. I think it was a VFW or something like that. Uh, stag show, you know, where you take your clothes off. I'll be talking about all the way yeah. taking your clothes off. And we traveled about three, 400 miles. And when we got back, there was no way to have to get to school. We just barely getting back to there. Well, but they said to Kathy come in the trailer park into my mom's trailer and complaining about, you know, why do your daughter's in school? We need to get her in school. And I come out of the back back room, you know, the, the, the big, little small trailer, but, oh, I don't know, about 20, 25, about a 25-foot trailer in the back of the bathroom. And she got makeup so all smeared all over. She looked look at me. I, I try to figure out what the hell is going on. So she wanted to visit my mother quite often. So I went to school maybe one more day. That was it. Because I was out doing stag shows, you know. And... She wasn't liking my mother so much. She said, what about a, a, a sister Catherine? She's a nun. Well, she wasn't loving my She went to the club finally, went to the club, dressed differently, went in the club. We went, went back to that same town, Houston, Texas, about a year and a half, about two years later. And we went into a club, and I'd be damned, excuse my language, does sister Catherine, now she's a bartender. We turned her head around. She's no longer a sister Catherine. She liked the burlesque. She, now, she's, now she's a bartender in a nightclub. So you know, she thought she was going to turn my life around. So we turned her life around. And she that was, you know, she wasn't meant to be there she, as a, as a as a nun. And now she's now she's a bartender. So things things we I know we change. But uh, my reasonability is uh, we had a stripper in the carnival. I don't remember that Nancy. It taught me my my ABCs and my vowels. ABCs and vowels. That's all the knowledge I've got. And like I said, I still to this day, well, I wasn't even in Vegas in 2010. Other than that, I worked 18, 20 hours a day, traveled 800,000 miles. You know, why are you going to learn? You know, around all, all kinds of people. And you work in nightclubs and, and the carnival. So my reading ability is reading road signs, reading road signs along the highway. And another reason why a lot of the burlesque people and the carnival people, the circus people, didn't know what happened to me for a long time. Because uh, down in Louisiana, my parents were winter in Louisiana. At a parade company for parades for parades, well, we wound up owning the biggest parade company in the South called Master Float Builders. So when I, uh, oh God, I've been my mother's been dead. Excuse me, she passed away ten years ago, and uh, I only been in Vegas 2010. So 2010 to 11 something, she passed away about four or five months before I come to Vegas. We, we was down there building parade floats in Louisiana. We worked 18 again, again, 18 four hours a day. Building floats outside in a warehouse, and most of the, we built over 44 parade floats. And I did all the artwork. My dad and I, we did, we built the floats, we delivered the floats, 
My mother would, they both would drink real bad. They didn't used to drink, but they were both drunk all the time. No drivers. And when we did get drivers to deliver the floats for parades in Louisiana, and down in Louisiana, they, they celebrate every frog festivals, sugarcane festivals, crawdad festivals. Uh, they celebrate everything, Louisiana, Texas, and Alabama. And we delivered the floats to different parades. And, and when we get there, the girls with beautiful wedding, I mean, not wedding, beautiful gowns and, and mink skulls and beautiful high heels, and they, they prepare for a long time. And we have 30, 30, 40 floats on the highway being delivered, only three or four drivers that show up. They'd be drunk, doped up, all screwed up. Plus, my mom and dad, they got so, they get, they changed a lot. They want to be, they worked. Don't get me wrong. But they liked the damn alcohol. It's a shame. And my mother still, I would see my mom in the warehouse, thousands and thousands of mosquitoes beat, biting us, just tearing us up. We kept working no matter what. There was alligators, we on Highway 90. It'd be alligators, when it rain would rain so bad, it rained a lot down there. It was one of the swamps. And here comes the alligators and, and the rabbits and the raccoons and the possums. And, and my dad had 25 to 30, 40 cats at a time. He had so damn many cats. He did, they did get pregnant. He didn't care. He'd just keep working, working, building these jar floats. And then we rent them and we deliver them. And like, again, the floats would be falling down. We got to drive, got to go about 25, 30 miles an hour. The floats would be falling apart. You know, we'd fall on one another. You know, fall down the road to get to the towns. Could go very fast because they're made out of wood and and all kinds of pretty flowers and decorations and stuff like that. And the things would be falling apart. And each person, whoever was following the float, would have to stop and grab the stuff, push them into the cars or the pickup trucks or whatever they may get, and get on down there. And then we had light plants because we had lights on these floats too. And we had to run. We had to pray would be over in the winter and then uh, in the winter. Uh, excuse me, in the, in the nighttime. We had to run from one float to another to try to get our life plans before people steal the darn things. So my whole life has always been on guard, <laughs> on guard, around strange, unusual people and lazy people, most of all. So anyway, we've been praying float business for almost 20 years. And then, of course, I lost my mom and dad a year apart. And, uh, and I sold all the floats and uh, and then come to Vegas. As, uh, oh, I was a star here in Vegas, by the way, and uh, the Royal Casino. They have come way before the float business, way before that. Here in Las Vegas in 76, excuse me, 75 and 76, and at the Royal Casino, people like Bob Hope, Buddy Hackett, Joy Bishop, Pat Buckton, Al Lewis. You know, I dated Pat Buckton by the Mr. Haley and Green Acres. I was engaged in Murray I also was engaged to Al Lewis, Grandpa in a TV show called The Monsters at one time. Not at the same darn time. So I had fabulous people who visited me here in Las Vegas, and then I went to a and I left Vegas until uh, 1977 and went to a Broadway show, Ann Coriel. Remember Ann Coriel? Mm-hmm. The famous burlesque entertainer called This Was Burlesque. Now I'm leaving Vegas, uh, leaving Vegas, going to a Broadway show, 30,000, 40,000 people a show. Pinky Lee, Jerry Lester, Maxie Furman, Joseph Elick, Charlie Naples. And Joseph Elick was in that movie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Amy on Pinky Lee, hello, hello, I'm Pinky Lee. So, and then yeah. we follow people like Bob Hope and uh, Tom Jones in these big auditoriums. And then, of course, as that time went by, I got away from the Broadway shows. And then, uh, with the what, what, as soon as I got to the Broadway show, I went to a Raunchy Burlesque Theater. Well, my time from big Broadway, now I'm going to, because I'd pay you bills. I'd keep working. And a Burlesque Theater with the guys 
excuse my language, playing with himself. And I, I do my fire show with no shoes on. And when I jump off the stage, going through the audience, pickpocketing into a you know, part of the show, and they'd be, excuse my language, comes gushing between my toes. And people be booping themselves all over the right there. And one time I was in Chicago in a Broadway theater, and uh, during my show, I don't do a show you should be playing with yourself because it's not that type of show. I looked down in the audience as this guy playing with himself. And every time I'd look at the light man, he'd, he, he'd turn the light down, the spotlight down, try to catch a guy. He'd pull his jacket over his, to cover himself up. <laughs> well, I'm doing the fire show now. The torches breathing, breathing the fire. And I jumped off the stage, and I watched his tally worker. <laughs> what I did, he jumped up and running down the hall, down the aisle, down you know, through all the people. And here comes the owner of the theater. Hadn't seen my show yet. He just seen this guy running down the hall, down the aisleway, shaking his tally walker, all fire booping and a bopping all his tally walker. And he comes back to the dressing room. He says, Miss Dante, I've heard of hot X before, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you don't talk about it. Okay, well, okay, I've been oh. booping and bopping. How did uh, you end up, once you was in Broadway, ended up associating with probably the most famous gangster to come out of New York, uh, John Gotti? Uh, I was doing money laundering with uh, John Gotti, uh, collecting money, and uh, I was always I've been delivered at different places. And uh, when I was with John Gotti, uh, uh, well, but first of all, uh, back to Johnny Master, but I, uh, I was good about collecting money. You know, I could beat people. But they old buddy. I'd be sexy, looking good, and they'd follow me to the motel. This guy, who it may be, to the motel, and of course they'd be at the motel. Uh, here comes a couple of gangsters come out of the bathroom, and I'd whack the guy around, beat him up, and do him. Hey, let's get on the phone, let's get the money over here. And so I was good about collecting money. But you remember now, uh, because I was involved with the nightclubs so many years, I learned through other gangsters, syndicate people, to know John Gotti. And that was another reason I had to keep a low profile for a lot of years because I've never been busted for anything. I swear to God, God's true. Not that I haven't done bad things in my life. Like I said, I stopped doing all bad things when I was 19. So I've been there, done that. But my world's different nowadays. But uh, I was good about collecting money. And uh, so I had to keep a low profile. So that's when I wound up down in Louisiana building parade floats with my mom and dad, building floats. Just to keep a low profile, he went through all the court things. It'd go one year, two years, three years, boys, eight, nine, ten years. So I was still with my mom and dad. And then I'd work nightclubs with the parade floats, you know, the parade floats. And I had to keep, keep away, stay away from New York, stay away from the nightclubs, because I didn't want, because if I, get, if I went against John Gotti, go to court, I had to be testified. There's no way I'm going to do anything. I can't go against the police. I can't go against John Gotti. So I kept a low profile by being in Louisiana. Now, of course, all that's done past. There's no problems there in my life. It's like I said, I never been busted or anything, but still, I knew a few things, but more things. But I'd never repeated from my from my end of it. So anyway, that's, that's how that was because I knew gangster too. I, that's how I knew different people. You know, the clubs were owned by the syndicate back in the days. Of course, nowadays it's a whole different world. Now. You know what I'm saying, honey? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the carnies have changed. Uh, Vegas has definitely changed. So's New York. It, 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 it's the people who's changed. The people, yeah. the people. Uh, they, it, I'm sorry to say, but the movies and things have gotten so rough, and, and it's like you know, it's a shame that clowns. You know, I also perform as clowns quite here in Vegas. Also, I do clown shows with the kids, 
And I think some people want it, some people scared the hell out of it. And then he used to be scared of clowns, you know, because the movies, I'm, I'm, because they got so, they just confused people, and now the people, everybody, kids, grown-ups, are scared of clowns. And yeah. so they take the magic out of the world, you know. There's no magic hardly left. Like people sometimes, the girl I did the TV show a few days ago, uh, Dana, she said, well, I did the magic show. She, afterwards, she said, during the show, during the TV show, she said, Georgette, how'd you do that trick? How'd you do that trick? I said, can you keep a secret? She said, yeah. I said, so can I. So can I. So anyway, can I keep a secret? Yes, I can keep a secret. But it's magic, honey. There's no morals and there's no respect. People just, uh, it's just getting rough. It's getting scary out there. It's not getting, it, it is scary out there. Uh, it is. All we yeah. do is keep, uh, keep positive and stay to yourself. Leave the kooky people alone. That all you gotta do is bring you bad luck. If someone's not, same thing with marriage. If, you know, if you're not happy in marriage, get away. I was married legally one time. I've had three men in my life where I, you know, I care about. I care. You know, I've had dates. I've had sex. I've had whatever. But I was only married one time. I was about 17, and uh, my fact, my husband was a, uh, David Conadera. He's a heavy-duty gambler in a carnival. He's a flat serrated. Made always brand, always had a brand new Calic every year. Made several thousand a day some days because he's a gambler. He gambled with the customers, he's the town people. And it was, he knew how to, he's a good car artist, car artist, car artist, car artist, excuse me, language. Uh, because you're not allowed to go from one man to another in carnival business, like I said. Uh, when I dated him, I stayed with it. He wanted to get married. Well, me, like an idiot, I went for it. So, But he's insanely jealous. He's tying, you know, tying people rough. Because he's a carnival man, he's rough. And I'm out there, see, carnival people, uh, gambler like David. When you're that good of a camera, you do not you don't work. You work when the show's open, but when the show's not open, you don't have to tear this joint down. You don't have to do no physical work because you're you're sharp enough. You don't have to do no physical work. But I did, because we had a girl show, and you know, we put it up, we tore it down. You know, besides being a burlesque entertainer, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I'd be out there with the cowboy boots and the blue jeans and and a cowboy hat, and I'd be out there tearing the show down or putting it up. Well, we got married, and now when I got through, it's like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I went back to the motel. He's there, asleep. He wants to go to a restaurant across the street. Well, we went across the restaurant across the street, and he's with a bunch of other carnival men over there, carnival gamblers. And I looked around. I don't know what it was. He thought I was messing around. Got insanely jealous, went kooky on me. Well, we went back to the motel. He forgot and left the motel key in, in the uh, restaurant. Now, he's pissed off. Stupid, stupid. Kick the door down in the motel. Kick the goddamn door down. It grabbed me and threw me into the bed. And when he did, he grabbed a pencil because I've been drawing pictures on the napkins in the uh, in the uh, in the restaurant. So he grabbed that pencil I had there and tried to stick it in my throat. Well, when he did, I had some brass knuckles because I was very good about brass knuckles or uh, a switchblade, you know, to protect yourself. You know, that's the way life was back in the days. You had to be on guard all the time. Anyway, I grabbed the brass knuckles. I dumped my purse up. And I very sad carried purse, but I did, did, did with him because I'm married now. I'm trying to play female, you know, trying to play a uh, <laughs> pretty girl. So I dumped the purse out. Here comes the brass knuckles. And I broke his nose, his back jaw, four ribs, and his ring finger. I wanted that goddamn ring off his damn finger. <laughs> so I took the broken finger. And what's fun, I... What's funny, so of course I'm out of here. No more marriage for me, so I'm out of here. But as years went by, that finger he healed crooked, you know, crooked. And when he called the customers in, 
you know, say, buddy, hey, buddy, they you know, call you the hand. And the customers thought he was crippled. They felt sorry for him. The thing is all crooked up. They come over and gamble with the damn gamble, spend all kinds of money. <laughs> they can feel sorry for him because he's got that big all screwed up. So the Carmel people, it's like a running guy through the years. There'd be three, four uh, agents. They call We call them agents in the, in the Carmel games. They'd be out yeah. there with their hands all screwed up and, and, and making all kinds of, like they're all messed up, acting like they're all uh, they need help, helpless or whatever. So it's like a running gag. But anyway, he made a lot of money off that damn thing, right? Broken. It screwed up. We're ha- it healed wrong. <laughs> so one time for me, marriage, that was it. No more for me. So, But I've had two more since then. But uh, that's the main reason I stopped dating. I just don't need it. Yeah. Uh, not with him, but I've had two other. One, I did have one a good man in my life, organ player. His name was Roddy Evans, Slap Happy Band, which I worked with Slap Happy Band on for a lot of years. Uh, I, we had a show band. There was a, the band, and I was a show. We were holiday ends. We were robotics. We were dinner theaters. And so Ronnie Evans went on the road with me for uh, about a year and a half, and we, we introduced one of his husband and wife. And we went from Florida to Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> he hated it when we drove to Anchorage, Alaska, because uh, you go up, there's no roads. And you go up, you go down, you fall off the high, off the road, on the Elkan Highway. That's it. You're not gonna get, That's the end of you for sure. By the time we got to Anchorage, Alaska, we drove from Pensacola, Florida, like nine, ten days. Because Roddy, he wasn't used to be on the road that way. He was, he was a musician, you know, playing bands. He, was, he used to be around Alabama and all the little small towns around there. And I hit the highway. So he wouldn't get no sleep, so I'm popping pills to stay awake. Because I had to. I'd get there. You know, I, my thing, I don't drink or do drugs. But in those days, you had to get to what you're doing. So you pop pills, many bennies of black, uh, black uh, they call it black, uh, black coast turnarounds. The, the uh, yeah. truck drivers use that, black coast turnarounds. It keeps yeah, you you'd always sure. find those uh, trucks popped up at the front. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you had to. You had to. So by the time we got to Anchorage, Alaska, we just went up and down the road. And one time we slid, went around, we spun around. And I'm going, I'm trying to get there. He wasn't driving. He's falling asleep because he was so, oh, look at the highway. Got to look at this, look at that. So after nine days, be driving. He wasn't getting, you know, I said, go to sleep, Marty. Please go to sleep. You know, get some sleep, you got to drive. No, he'd be all booping in a pop and watching the scenery, the stuff going on. So by the time uh, we got to, uh, up the highway, we went off of a cliff, which spun around, and luckily it was like a, a place where we didn't go all the way off. And and, and the car would start up, and the windshield was all broken up, for, not from the, going off the highway, because it's so bad. If you go down the Elkhead Highway, there's rocks, there's rabbits, there's possums, there's wild horses, there's goats in the highway. My God, it's unbelievably beautiful. But at the same time, we went off, the dirt had went up in the metaphor, you know, in metaphor, so we didn't know it would start. And I'd be dead, uh, an army man with one of his jeeps or something going on the road as well. He got out. He knew what to do. So he pulled all that damn dirt out of the, uh, the muffler so it was able to start. We get on in there. By the time we got to Anchorage, Alaska, Ronnie got out. Well, we're there now. He got out. He kissed the ground. He was happy we were there. He kissed the ground. But he was done when I was really happy with uh, as far as a mate in my life. But he, he, uh, he, he, uh, he he's pretty lazy, which, you know, I, I love him as a person. But, uh, you know, just just wasn't a motivator. You know, he, just, he was an Alabama person. I, I love Alabama. My favorite town is Mobile, Alabama. But those people, they're, they're good people. I love the ocean, but they're like walking zombies. They're way 30, 40 years behind time, which is good. You're going to retire. Oh, yeah. At the same time, it's not good. And I had my, my ex-husband, which is I stopped dating, was Johnny Ramirez. They called Mexican Mike. 
He was a karma man. I knew him before I knew Ronnie, and he was a gambler. And uh, he knew my husband, the, the one I was legally married to, and gambling. And uh, well, there got him a, and then in the girl show in the carnival, he he, uh, my my husband got there with, with the gun, the separate one in the, in the tent. And I'm worried about the damn my brother's out there in the middle of the midway with people all around him trying to beat up on him, and someone's trying to steal wardrobe in the back of the tent. So I, I run up back there, I'm pulling these people off the back of the uh, fence, pulled them down, they got wardrobe hung over the shoulder. So I'm dealing with that, and then my brother's being beat up in the front of the midway, out in the front of the, t- uh, front of the semi-truck, but I'm in the back of the tent. I'm running through the tent, because the guy I was married to, with a gun, shooting at me. And he got that from Johnny Ramirez, which years later I wound up with Johnny, after running. So I'm with Johnny Ramirez, and he's a gambler. I did not know he got lazy. He, was a, he used to be a good flatter agent. He was ca- called uh, Mexican Mike. The famous pool, pool player and one of the best mm-hmm. gamblers in the business, but he got lazy because he got with the women. He's unbelievable, a good-looking man, Spanish man. The carnival people adopted him when the uh, when the car had wrecked in front of the carnival, and wrecked in front of the carnival. And when he's four, four, four years old, and it took him to the carnival. And the parents had died, and they took the kid and took care of him, raised him in the carnival. So he was going to be a good gambler. And but what I got with him years later. I, he wanted to be nothing but a pimp. Strictly a pimp, that's all he was doing. He'd go from Chicago, then go to Vegas, and he had brought a woman here. I call him Broad. That's what he called him. One woman to another. He got lazy. So I, after years later, after I left Ronnie, I run across Jody uh, again, and I'm on the way to Anchorage, Alaska again, another time. I'm going to op- open up a, excuse my language, a prostitute place and gambling, and I'm going to have a big tent put up, and I'm going to have all this gambling going on, and I'm also going to have three different parts of the tent where some would be for my magic show and my, my variety type show entertainment and then some gambling and then if you want a, a working girl, a, late, a working lady and then sec, a second part of the tent would have had that. Well, I'd already planned for all this. Now, I went across just Johnny in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Work, I was working at a nightclub there and I didn't know he got all lazy on me. You know, he was no longer sharp, double sharp. Well, my insurance came due by my, my van, my suburban truck and a trailer and insurance came due, uh, on the way to Agra, Alaska, he said, I need a lot of money to gamble um, when we get there, more money that I had I had to deal with. You had to have a lot of money if you're going to be gambling, make big money. You have to have money to make money to gamble with the customers. You know, with the, and they, okay, I was the, uh, the pipeline. I was opening a uh, tent on the pipeline when the, all of that was going on. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, him like an idiot, I'm on the road with him. We get to, we get to Whitehorse. Right outside, you know, going into uh, uh, the Elkhead Highway. And we get in, and here the drunken Eskimo steals a car. Steals a car. You can't go nowhere except the north or south. There's no that nowhere else. So I let him drive, finally. I'm over there, I had a wig. I'm putting curls on my wig, driving down the Elkhead Highway. And the drunken Eskimo stole his car. He hits the trailer. And Johnny saw this. He saw it. He kept speeding up. would let the guy go around him. Well, the drunken escort hit something, knocked, knocked us off of the cliff. Knocked us off the cliff, and I lost every goddamn thing. His foot went through the windshield, and uh, all the walls, I had gambling devices. I had all kinds of stuff going on there. And some, luckily, there were some big, healthy, strong women, that, you know, women from Alaska, come out there and pick the stuff off the ground and help get, help get us back to a motel. And that is to uh, finally got me where I was able to get a uh, plane on into Anchorage, Alaska, the White, White Horse. And when we get there, here's Johnny. 
again, try to play, play pimp with the girls. And we're living in a house behind the club. And uh, it's a club about like seven, eight girls back there. We had They had crabs. They had uh, bed bugs. Everything you could possibly imagine. It was pitiful. And I took a closet. I want to get away from all this bullshit. Excuse my language. This girl, you know, the other crazy girls with all the crazy stuff going on. So Johnny and I were living in this little closet. And uh, he's so drunk, bopped out of his head that uh, was, he was hid behind the curtain. So as each girl, I was in the club still performing, he saw a box out of his hair. Each girl, as they come in to the house, he'd jump out with a knife on the stabber because he's trying to get me. So they'd come and run to the club, said, your husband out there uh, is you know, trying to get us. So I grabbed him, beat the hell out of his head all that goddamn house. There's a big dumpster in the back of the club called the Embers Club. Took him and threw him in the dumpster. When I threw him in the dumpster, I dared anybody to get him out of that dumpster. He's <laughs> leave right there. That's where he stays. So that was when I decided, that was 1977, I said, no more dating for me. I, that was it. I have not dated. 1978, do not need the psychological problems. Like I said, I got a firebird named Hummer, and we do just fine. <laughs> we do just fine. Yeah. I love me. I don't need no problems. So anyway, anything else you want to ask me? Yeah, when you did there? you uh, start learning magic? Well, you know, surprisingly, it took Johnny of all damn things. The same kooky guy I'm talking about. Because um, when we got through it in Alaska, we finally made up like an idiot. Made up. And now I'm going back to Vegas uh, to open up the Royal Casino. We got up there, and I'm working the Royal Casino. I'm the marquee, the star of the club, casino. It, now it's called the Royal Resort. Now I'm on the marquee, doing really good. But I'm not, with, I'm not really with him. But he would go to Gary Darwin's Magic Club on Wednesday. So every so often, I'd go to Gary Darwin's Magic Club. See, Tim got, see, Johnny was a card mechanic, so it was easy for him to learn magic because he was a card mechanic. Plus, he's a well-known pool player called Mexican Mike. His nickname was Mexican Mike. just before he got lazy, got into the women. So he started learning magic. So a little bit by little bit, I got around Gary Darwin, which later through the years, I wanted to be in one of Gary Darwin's books as well. You know, we just lost Gary about five years ago. Gary Darwin had the Magic Club for 26 years now. Excuse me, uh, yeah, 26 years, I think it is. Anyway, we lost Gary about two years ago. Anyway, uh, but before Johnny, way back in uh, Hollywood, California, at the Pink Pussycat Club, uh, Joseph Elick was the Pink Pussycat Club. That's where Bob Hope comes to visit me, too, as well, when I stood dealing with Bob Hope. Uh, Johnny, uh, excuse me, uh, Joseph Elick would do a silk scarf, a magic trick with a silk scarf. I won't tell you how it's done, but he did a silk scarf. So I got my mind into that. So when Johnny saw me doing that, uh, he wound up going to Gary Darwin's and decided he wanted to go get into magic. So he wound up getting better with magic, and so he started teaching me. So, of course, later we don't, we're no longer together uh, physically, you know, or sexually. But anyway, I, then he bought me a couple of magic tricks, which is good. But same so that's how I got into magic through Johnny. Even though I had a lot of horrible things with him, there's still good things come out of it. Because he, he passed away uh, four years ago, two days before Halloween. You know, so uh, for me, it's, it's too bad, but at the same time, uh, I, again, <laughs> anyway, that's how I learned magic. First of all, through Joe, with the ones, and then Johnny, see me do the one trick, then he got involved with Gary Darwin, and Gary encouraged uh, Johnny, and then Johnny started encouraging me, and that's how we come about that. Yeah. You there? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll let you go. My phone's about dead. Okay, mine's probably too. Are you going to be able to share that with me, honey? 
Yeah, and oh, I definitely want to have you back to tell talk some more. Sometime, no, no, but if I you didn't don't mind. Share, we, I did, no, 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 that would be fine. But please share that with me as soon as possible because I already put on Facebook. Okay. Everybody's expecting to Even Jimmy, Jimmy Madonna. Yeah. You know Jimmy Madonna? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy, who did the documentary in my life, he did Al Green and, and uh, uh, Al Green's and Tammy uh, Wynette's book. He did my documentary. So we're all waiting cool. to see here what we just did. So everybody in Vegas now is waiting for you to share with me so they can see what we just did or hear what we just did. That'll work? Awesome. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to the show, and definitely thank you for being on the show. This has been wonderful. All right. We going to share with me? Yeah. And good night, everybody. <laughs> Say hubba hubba, ring-a-ding-ding, boop boop. Thank you, Betty. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.